we all talk about integration, how people from around the world have come into the United Kingdom for a better life, safe life, education and more. Some people have understand the benefit of the culture, the diversity. With me today, a British citizen. Hello and welcome to our podcast on culture integration. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm originally from London, where I lived and was brought up in a, a multicultural community. Um, my neighbours, my friends, were people from many different backgrounds and cultures. What happened next, Catherine? And why are you here in the northeast? When I moved to the northeast, um, it, it was a different social mix. It, it was mostly predominantly white people. But I still maintain my interest in global issues and in campaigning for justice. You know, I, I think I was brought up to have an awareness that there's a lot of injustice in the world and that wars are usually the result of greed and corruption and people basically abusing their power. start working with people coming from abroad? In 2000, when the government introduced the dispersal system whereby people were arriving in the UK seeking asylum, and they were mostly arriving in, in the south of the country, and the local authorities who were trying to support them in the south were finding that they didn't have the resources. So the government introduced a system whereby people were dispersed to different parts of the country and could be supported by um, local authorities in the north, in Scotland, in Wales and in the, the northwest of England. So my job initially was to welcome people to Middlesbrough, to the northeast, to recognise that they were fleeing persecution, that they might have a lot of worries, a lot of concerns, because they had suffered torture, they'd lost their homes, they'd possibly come without their families, and they were worried about what was happening to their families back home. And my job was to to be a friendly face, um, to make sure that they could access the services that they needed, that they had a solicitor, access to education, um, and could integrate with the local community. We work very closely with the local community to educate them about why people were in the UK, why they were seeking asylum, the, the kind of conflicts that were going on around the world, and what our responsibilities were as signatories of the Geneva Convention. And that was a wonderful job because it was very positive, because you felt you could help people, you could make their lives better and help them to settle and, and to put the trauma behind them and to build a new life. However, I found it very restrictive because yeah. I was working, in effect, for, for a government body, a local authority yeah. uh, receives government funding. And, and whilst it's good to be able to act in a 
um, a, a benevolent sense, I couldn't campaign, I couldn't say this is wrong. The, the way our government are treating people is wrong. Um, so I then got a job with an organisation called the National Coalition of Anti-Deportation Campaigns and that was a campaigning organisation whose sole purpose was to help people uh, win their case and if they'd been refused asylum and yet they had very good reasons to fear being returned to their country uh, we, we would help them mount a campaign we'd produce the, the campaigning materials that they needed, uh, maybe petitions, show them how to write letters, how to lobby members of parliament, how to have public meetings and, and get public support. Um, and I did that for three years. And then I was very, very lucky because I was asked to help set up Justice First, which isn't, strictly speaking, a campaigning organisation, but we... We start from the premise that the UK asylum system doesn't deliver a just outcome for people who seek protection. We feel that there's a culture of disbelief that the Home Office have targets to meet and the targets aren't, sadly, about keeping people safe. The targets are about discouraging people from seeking asylum in the UK and sending them back. And very often people who had good, strong reasons to be here were being sent back to danger and being denied protection. You worked first uh, as a government uh, worker. Mm. And what makes things change? On the first place, the government did, far, uh, did give the money to local organizations to welcome those people in this mm. country. What is the difference between that time and today when the government is deciding to send those same people back in their country? I think there's been um, a change in public opinion. Politicians all over the world, they're no different. Whichever country you're in, politicians want to be re-elected. And there's... A certain amount of public hostility, usually amongst people who are not terribly well educated about the situation in other countries or haven't bothered to find out what's going on and just don't understand what happens when, when people are fleeing conflict and they, they have no awareness of, of how those people might have been victims of persecution and how much they may have suffered. Some sections of the media deal with partiality, the asylum seekers' story. As a British, what do you think about all that? Uh, now that's been fueled to some extent by the press and the media, some sections of the press yeah. and the media, who have told lies, who have fabricated stories in order to um, demonise people seeking asylum. Some newspapers have suggested that when people come to this country seeking asylum they're taking jobs from local people yeah. well it's we know it's not true because people seeking asylum aren't allowed to work 
Um, the other side of the argument is they all come here and take benefits because they're lazy. Well, nobody that I have ever met who's come to this country has wanted to be supported by the state. Most people come, they welcome being protected, but they want to work, they want to earn money. Katrina, what are justice fists stand for? Okay, I mean, as the name suggests, our first priority is justice. We believe that people should be able to be treated fairly and achieve a just outcome to their asylum case. Um, we're not legal practitioners, you know, we, we're very clear about that. We're not legally trained. If we try to give legal advice, it's actually unlawful to do that unless you're properly trained and registered. Yeah. Um, but what we can do is help people to progress a case. If they've been refused asylum, it might be that they've got access to further evidence. We can help them obtain their evidence. If it's a document in their own language, we can pay to have it translated so that it then becomes something that they can present um, if they don't have legal representation already, we can help to link them up with a solicitor. To someone who wants to seek help from you, you have to be just an asylum seeker or anybody can come over justice fit for any kind of case? No, no, it is just, we're just working with people who've been refused asylum. Let's talk uh, about something very, very important. Uh, on the news today, mm -hmm. they're talking about deportation. It's not only today, it's since uh, the starting of this year, 2007. Some people from, basically from the minority we are talking about, asylum seekers, federal asylum seekers, were deported back to their countries. And today again, there is on um, the news other people will be sent back. What Justice Face is doing today to help in any case those people, Justice Face have the power to do something to help those people not be deported. We don't have power as such, but we certainly have resources and motivation. And if, if you combine those things, you start to create a political force for change. But if we are aware that forced removals are taking place, sometimes of, of specific groups who are being targeted, uh, people being sent back to particular countries where we know that it's dangerous, then we would try to, to raise public awareness about that and help those people. Let's today talk about a special country. You know from the Congo, maybe you've never been in the Congo, but you know something about the Congo. Yeah. I would like you to tell me something about the Congo because I know definitely justice first is for the justice. And Congolese people are on the list to be sent back to the Congo. What do you know about the Congo? I know that um, there is just a, the most appalling conflict going on in the Congo or has been going on um, more recently I mean the, the, the 
a cumulative effect has been more than five million people losing their lives. But most recently, um, there was an election that was held in November 2006 and a team of international observers went out there to oversee the electoral process and reported back that it was a democratic and fair election. We know from the contacts that we have locally that the result was manipulated, that there was intimidation, people lost their lives just in the, you know, during the electoral process. And we know that Western powers have a vested interest in the, the mineral wealth in the Congo. It just seemed unusual to us that, that the UK and other Western powers are willing to intervene in certain conflicts throughout the world, um, either through supporting peacekeeping forces, quite rightly, but in some cases there's been direct intervention. Um, they've occupied, for example, places like Iraq. But far more people have lost their lives in the Democratic Republic of Congo than in any other war that I can think of. And yet we seem not only reluctant to try to protect the people from Congo, but we seem almost working against them by by sending them back and by continuing to profit from their mineral wealth. On the table, there is a petition. Uh, the petition is to ask for a judgment on everything going on in the Congo. And you as a British, what you have to do with uh, this petition? There is uh, something you can do? Or? Well, Justice First is very supportive of this because the petition is highlighting the absolute savagery that people have endured in the Congo. It highlights the fact that um, the results of war aren't just death, it, it's also there's disease, there's poverty um, and always it's innocent people who, whose lives are, are absolutely devastated by what's been happening but that somebody is accountable and what the petition is asking for and what we are very happy to support is that those responsible should be brought to justice. You're speaking on behalf of uh, the Congolese minority, the fell asylum seeker living in the northeast of, uh, of the country. Uh, any special message to other British people? Maybe they, they don't agree with this situation, the, the culture integration, or any special message to anybody out there? My message would be to the Congolese people, don't lose hope, stay strong, stay united. Um, I believe that with sufficient political pressure, we will we will be able to help them. My message to the British people is, please, please, open your eyes and your hearts and recognise what has been happening. To the, th these are just innocent people who have been caught up in somebody else's brutality and they deserve our protection. And we must stop undermining countries like Congo 
it's their country and, and Western powers are should be ashamed that they're willing, in order to profit themselves, they're willing to sacrifice other people's lives. Thank you. Thank you.